let me just say that I love watching a church pray. And, um, well, I'll tell you, that's, that's a surefire way to bless your pastor's heart. And I appreciate what we have just done together. So let me teach you a new word. Everybody in a learning mood tonight? Here's a new word for you. I want you to say it back to me, okay? Uhodu. Uhodu. Anybody want any idea what that means? That is a one-word prayer. Well, it's a good way to say there's a one-way to one-word prayer. That's a word that my two-year-old grandson taught me. Uhodu. And Declan, by the way, if you can just imagine the best-looking two-year-old boy in the world, that's my grandson. You just got him. Declan, which, by the way, is a name that means man of prayer, um, has gotten to that point where he's trying to talk English. Well, I guess it's English. It's two-year-old gibberish, but it comes out in ways that have a way of melting his granddad's heart. Uhodu is one of those words because occasionally Declan will walk up to me and they'll reach up and go, Uhodu, which means I want to hold you. That's a great one word prayer. Our prayer to God should always be, I want to hold you. Now, a lot of times we get that backwards. It's not that it's wrong to say it the other way, like I want you to hold me, which is really what Declan means, right? He, he's not so much holding me. As a matter of fact, when I hold him, Uhodu, he's all over the place. He's wanting to grab stuff and touch the ceiling and all those kind of things. So he's not really holding me, but he's wanting me to grab him and hold him. And sometimes our prayer life is backwards where we go to God and we say, we want you to hold us. But that's not backwards. That's just that's a station in life thing. Sometimes we get in positions where the best thing we can pray is, God, I just need you to hold me here. I just need that. So I want to take that and let's uh, take another step in our Praying with Jesus Wednesday night series here. I figure if we're going to be here praying anyway, we might as well do some biblical study and what prayer is. And uh, so what I want to do is use our Wednesday nights for a while and we'll have some interruptions as we go and that's okay. Uh, but for the foreseeable future, I want us to pray with Jesus and see what we find about Jesus and what he teaches us about prayer and what he models for prayer for us, which gets me to the big idea tonight. Um, so one of the things that Teresa and I have been driving around and learning in El Paso is we have uh, determined, we, we've discovered that there are places where, I mean, in the middle of a neighborhood or in the middle of a road, there'll be these speed bumps that are built in, Okay. Why is that? Is that because there are people here who don't know how to drive? or I don't, I don't really know what the deal is with that, but uh, I mean, I just get up a good head of steam. You know, you get up about 90 miles an hour and they throw one of those things in there and it messes you up, makes you slow down. Um, so one of the things, what's that? Hence the name Speed Month, right. And so I want to build off of that actually. Because I, I want you to think about trying to get up on the interstate. Okay? If you're trying to get up on the freeway and that on-ramp that they have, the worst place you could possible put, possibly put one of those speed bumps is on an on-ramp, right? 
Because the idea, and this is news for a lot of drivers, but the idea is that you get up to speed on the ramp so that you can merge in and you not make some big problem behind you by going 40 miles an hour on the highway. Um, but anyway, so here's the big idea that I want us to get. The on-ramp for a prayerful life is intimacy with God. Now, I'll explain that as we go, but let me say it again. The on-ramp for a prayerful life is intimacy with God. Which brings us to the passage tonight. We're in Luke chapter 11, and I'll just tell you ahead of time that from for the foreseeable future, when you show up on Wednesday nights, you can have your Bible marker at Luke chapter 11, because that's where we're going to be. Because as tonight we pick it up, and last week we looked at the first verse, first two verses, or first part of the second verse anyway, where Jesus, well let me just read the first two verses and I'll recap what we did last week. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And then we pick up in verse 2 tonight, where Jesus says to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. Now, for those of you who are sensitive to these things, you will recognize that Luke leaves some of this off, or Jesus doesn't say it exactly here the way he says it over in Matthew chapter 6, which is the Sermon on the Mount. That's the one that we usually quote. Our Father who art in heaven. Okay, so you know that one, right? All right, so Luke's version is shorter. It's more concise. Now, my, my personal belief is that this is not the only time, neither in Matthew nor in Luke, it's not the only time that these disciples heard Jesus teach about prayer this way. Usually, as humans, we need repetition for us to really get it down. So it's likely, and I would say it's, it's uh, very likely, that Jesus taught this on a regular basis. And so Luke brings us a little more concise version than what we find in Matthew. And uh, that's one of the reasons that I want to do this, because if we were to study the one in Matthew... And we will refer back to it, but it would take us a lot longer to get through that one. And this one will help us get there. So Matthew 6 is what we call the Lord's Prayer, probably better referred to as the model prayer. But here, we need to get to what Jesus is teaching. And so here's the deal tonight. I'm just going to take one word. Uhodu. No, that's not right. Uh, Although we're going to end up there again. I'll just warn you ahead of time. Jesus says the on-ramp for prayer, is Father. That's how he starts here. In Matthew, he starts that way, our Father. And so with this, this is what I would call the entry point into a prayerful life. You don't put a speed bump in the middle of an on-ramp, and Jesus gives us something here that should not slow us down But it is a good idea for us to stop tonight and see what he's saying with this. This one word that has the opportunity to revolutionize our prayer lives, depending on how you normally pray. Let's let's start by talking about one of those speed bumps or two. I... uh, 
I had a Honda Civic a while back, a couple of years ago. And one of the things that they have in East Texas that we don't have much of in West Texas is rain. And rain, it comes in huge doses in East Texas. And so one day a few years ago, I had this uh, Honda, and I was, had been into Beaumont to go to the hospital and make a visit. And I was on my way back, and uh, it had been raining a little bit, not a whole lot, but a little bit. And I went up on this overpass on the road between Beaumont and Lumberton, and as I got up onto the top of that overpass, just as I was about to crest it out, uh, I lost the back end of that car, and so I hydroplaned, and it threw me sideways, and so I did everything I knew to do to try to save it, but what happened is it threw me into the concrete barrier on the inside. It was a two lanes going north, and so it threw me across the lane into the concrete barrier on top of that overpass, and when I did that, it, I was trying to correct, and when I hit that, my wheels caught, and I went head on into the concrete barrier on the other side. I went from 60 miles an hour to zero in three seconds. Airbag went off, obviously totaled my car, messed me up a little bit, nothing was broken <laughs> except my car, and uh, had some bruising and some of those kind of things. Now my point in giving you that example is because I think that when Jesus starts with the word Father, when he says, when you pray, say, Father, right there, we lose many people in prayer. Because many people have earthly fathers who don't measure up to what Jesus is communicating here. If you go long stretches without praying, I would check that part first to see if there's something in your life that you know is separating you from God and makes you not want to be around him much. And Jesus, in one word, pray this way, Father. He lays that as part of our prayer life before us, that we need to recognize who God is and his character and him holding us responsible for our behavior. Here's another one. These all get better now. Uh, you know, for most of my life with my dad, I was... Um, the favored recipient of his goodwill. My, dad, my wife's laughing because she didn't think he had any goodwill, but uh, you know, most of my life, my dad worked hard. And I don't ever remember missing a meal. I don't ever remember having to sleep under a bridge because we didn't have a home. Some people do, and that may or may not have anything to do with the way they were raised. I'm just telling you about my life and how I think this fits with what Jesus is teaching here. The reality is that all of us live as recipients of the goodwill of our Heavenly Father. At some point, we'll get to God's economy, but here's a piece of God's economy the supply precedes the demand. I said it this way Sunday. I think I did. Uh, if I didn't, I meant to. What God requires, God resources. Here's a good example of that. When a baby's born, what's the first thing that a baby needs after he's born? Air. 
And God, in all of his wisdom, has provided a room full of air as soon as that baby's born. We'll get to that kind of stuff before it's over with, but that's just one of those examples of how God has given us all that we need in order to call him Father. It's, we're just recipients of his goodwill, of his grace, and of his mercy. So calling him Father and approaching him as Father includes that. We come to that relationship with him. Remember what I said. This is the on-ramp for our prayerful life. We, we just know that that's part of his character and part of what he offers to us. And so when we come to him in prayer, he makes that possible for us. Here's another one. Uh, I learned this one from my dad the hard way. I, I had a terrible relationship with my dad for a long time. But God, in his incredible wisdom, made me go to work with my dad. And so, for a period of time, I was on staff at a church where my dad was the senior pastor. I was a youth minister for a while. And then God called me out of that. That's a whole long story called me out of that church. I went to do youth ministry at another church. Apparently, I hadn't learned the lesson well enough, so God called me back to that church where my dad was pastor again, and I was the assistant pastor working hand-in-hand with him. And in the process of those years where we worked together and he was a senior pastor, and I was a support staff member first for at least 12 hours a day, and then other times I was his son. Very, Very definitely professional uh, stuff there. We had to hold those roles. I found out that I kind of liked him. I, I never really expected that because I had gotten so used to not liking him growing up that he put us together and so we started playing golf together. And so at least once a week for about three years, my dad and I would go out and play golf together. And that's when I discovered that he was a friend. Our roles had changed. I was no longer the rebellious teenager. Uh, But we weren't at the office anymore. We were just out on the golf course, and I learned how to have fun with my dad and cut up with my dad and beat him at golf, which was always fun. just didn't happen very often. So when we come to God as Father, There's an intimacy there. This is the friend part of our relationship with God. And we need to be careful that we don't just settle into that and lose the reverence for God that we have to have. But most of us don't miss it on the losing reverence for him. Most of us lose it on the making friends with God. And so that's part of it. And prayer fits very well there. Prayer can be unforced and natural just like two friends playing golf. The last one, this goes back to my dad and our time working together, but there came a time that my dad was a mentor for me. I rather suspect that over the time that I am privileged to serve as your pastor, you will hear me on a fairly regular basis say, my dad used to say it this way. My dad had this kind of, he grew up on a, or part of his early life was on a, dairy farm up in Illinois. I mentioned that Sunday. Uh, His dad was a mechanic. He lived in San Antonio for a long time. Uh, My dad had this kind of a down-to-earth, earthy kind of wisdom. And these sayings that that just are 
full, pregnant with meaning. Someday I intend to write a book using some of those sayings as it relates to leadership and putting how we do things these days with those sayings and talking about how it fits in a church. Here's, for instance, here's one of the ones that my dad used to say. Every tub sits on its own bottom. Anybody know what that means? Basically what that means in a leadership context is every situation has its own details and it's unique to itself in that situation. And so as a leader, you better figure out what the landscape is around that. Okay, so now some of you know why I've been having all these meetings with you because I'm trying to figure out which bottom this tub sits on. Make sense? All right. So my dad taught me stuff that I never would have learned from him when I was at odds with him. I, I think that that's got to be part of prayer. All of those things are wrapped up for me when Jesus says, when you pray, start off this way, Father. And I, I'm afraid, I, I'm a little sad about this, that in our day, even when we repeat the prayer verbatim, our Father becomes a throwaway part of the prayer to get us into the rest of it. Jesus has said a mouthful with this. So when you pray, say, Father. So how do you view God? And how does that impact your prayer life? So my prayer for you is that you will learn from my grandson and your main prayer, at least for a few days, would be Uhodu. Just try that on. Get quiet at your house. Maybe you're going to have to wait till the kids are long in bed or the husband's long in bed or whatever. And pull aside from everything else, shut off the TV, and just go to God. I, I think he understands uhodu. I think you could use that word if you want. Or you could just say, Father. And then just sit and let God be Father to you. See what that does for your prayer life. Let's pray. And we'll be done. Lord, what a great teaching you give us in one word. So we ask you to hold us, and we want to hold you and experience you in a fresh way as Father. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.